we all have moments in our lives where we feel like we are in a stage of waiting. But I think there's a difference between waiting and expectation and just waiting. And so the difference becomes how we approach the situation. Are we approaching God in the morning and and pouring out our hearts to him and laying things at his feet and saying, okay, God, I'm going to wait for you. Or are we just charging full steam ahead and just hoping something's going to happen? I think the difference makes the difference between having joy and, and peace in that scenario or the stress and chaos of doing it on our own. We're going to talk about that more today. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're going to be in Psalm chapter 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help. My King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you, and I wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogance cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence, I will bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make straight your way before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongue they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. 
spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. So as we look to this psalm, there's a couple things that I think are important to point out that can help us understand aspects of our own relationship with God. This psalm was written by David, and it mentions that it was for flutes, so we know that this was likely a lyrics, musical lyrics to a song. But I want to point your attention to verse 3. It says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you, and I wait in expectation. I love that aspect of the cry of David's heart, that we can learn that in an effort to really pursue this deep relationship with God that, that we see throughout the Psalms, David is committing himself to not just daily prayer, but daily morning prayer and continual prayer. And I think sometimes what happens is we get up and we start our day and we go throughout our day. And actually I hear that a lot, that that it's not the intention to ignore God throughout the day. We just have so much stuff to do. And I think what happens when we set our hearts on God first thing in the morning is that it can tra- change the trajectory of our day. And so this example we see from David in the morning, oh Lord, you hear my voice. It's not just I'm, I'm waiting to hear from you, but I'm pouring my heart out to you. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and I wait in expectation each morning we have this opportunity to engage in relationship with God and renew our dedication to the Lord. And by taking that time to talk to him, to pray to him, to listen to him, and and even if we're um, getting in the word and we're, we're getting fed spiritually, we're reconciling our hearts to a different posture than if we are immediately on our phones or immediately, you know, up and at them with the kids or whatever it is. And and this doesn't even have to be long. This can be a short practice. It can be five minutes even. But just getting to this place where we are opening up our hearts and our days with the Lord, that's the kind of relationship that will help us do that next part, that waiting in expectation part. Because I think there's a difference between just waiting and waiting in expectation. We we are always waiting on something. That's just the nature of, of the reality of our world. But when we are waiting with expectation, it's because we know that God is going to show up in sometimes ways that we don't even imagine, ways that we could not have anticipated. And so when we wait in expectation, it, it shows something about our relationship with God, this trust that we're building with him that's built on this relationship. And in addition to that, when we're waiting in expectation, it helps us to see the undercurrent of what God's doing more clearly. And so it makes the waiting that much easier when we can start to see the way that, that God is working things out in that situation. In the next couple of verses, five and six, I want to make, um, there's two trains of thought that I have. It says, the arrogance cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. I think it's important to point out that God hates the fact that people sin. The people are ignoring him and defying him and rejecting his word and doing their own thing. He hates that because he's not, it means he's not in relationship with them. And it, I, yes, God hates sin. And of course God hates evil, but God's heart is for people. And the fact that they are living their own lives apart from him, that grieves God. 
And so what we see is God is a God of justice and he will openly oppose people that are evil and, and working against God's people or working against God's agenda. And there, there's this um, tension there though, because God also is the creator of each of those individuals. And God also loves them, even though their behavior is what grieves him. And so what we see in response to that is God's love prompts him to send Jesus. Jesus is the only thing, and, and this is a great act of mercy and grace and compassion, but Jesus is the only thing that can save them from that sin. And so the greatest expression of God's love is what's shown through that sacrifice of his son. And, and so that's what it means when the scripture talks about while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die for us. We were still in our mess, in our sin. And, and God sent Jesus to, to die, to pay the penalty for that sin that he hates. There's a grace there that's unlike anything else in any other religion and in any other time span. Because God himself took on, through Jesus, that sin that, that separates us from him. And because God is a just God and a God of justice, there has to be a reconciliation for that sin. In verse 7, it says, But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house in reverence, will I bow down toward your holy temple. The temple was really viewed as God's residence. It's where God lived. And it was a visible manifestation of his presence, basically here on earth. And so for that people group, when there was a reference made to the temple, it was really talking about God's house. And so it was really a common thing for an ancient Israelite to look either figuratively or, or physically look towards Jerusalem and the temple, that's where the temple was, to seek the Lord, that's where they felt that God resided. So it says, in reverence, I will bow down toward your holy temple. I will come into your house. It's literally saying that I'm going to seek you where you are at. And then down in verse 9, I think this is interesting too. It says, not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongue, they speak deceit. The open grave thing, I guess we can kind of intuitively think about what that might be like, but I, I think there's a historical aspect here that, that um, gives a little bit more weight to it. Embalming was not practiced in Israel like it was in other parts of the ancient Near East. Like we all know about the Egyptians and how they mummified bodies and they embalmed them. That was not what they did in Israel. So pretty immediately within a couple days of death, um, the, the decay of the body would have started. And, and as a result, they would bury people immediately. Um, even for the criminals, that's what they did. So they used all sorts of things for tombs, but typically it was natural or rock cut caves or, um, for the, like the more common people, it would, literally be, you know, like what we would see now, the the graves in, in the ground, the earthen graves. And so sometimes the body would be left permanently, especially in the case of like being put in a cave. But in other instances, 
um, they would let the body decompose and then they would go in and gather the bones and they would move those into an ossuary. They would move them to a different location and they would store just the bones. And then the bench that that body was originally laid on, that would be reused, especially if it was like a, a family tomb, they would reuse that same initial tomb and then just keep the bones in a different location. I mean, maybe it was still in there, but it was like on a different, almost like shelf. I, I've seen these a couple different places and it's kind of bizarre because you'll have like these almost like little pockets in the wall with bones of all the different family members. And then the bench was what they would reuse. So because they weren't embalming, you can imagine the stench that would have accompanied that whole process. And they would use some burial spices, um, but the decomp decomposition odor would have been really, really potent. And so an open grave is really a graphic image of the stench and the rot that comes forth out of the mouth of, of the wicked. So if we're talking about this in terms of how God responds to the sin of humanity. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongue, they speak deceit. We're really talking here about people that are openly rebelling against God and acting in an evil way. And, and so the, the talk about banishing them is really David's prayer for the destruction of God's enemies. And yet there's this word of encouragement, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Remember, we talked the other day about this imagery about the shield and how it's a military image. And in this specific instance, in verse 12, it's talking about that full body type of shield that we talked about. There's a couple different kinds of shields, but that full body shield, generally speaking, is going to be used as an image for complete protection. So when it says you surround them with your favor as with a shield, it's talking about the righteous as they are um, stepping out into what God has called them to this life seeking after a righteousness. They are surrounded with this shield. And I think about this in terms of times in my life where I have been working diligently to do the things that God has called me to do. And let's just face it, evil people that do not have God in their hearts, that are not pursuing a relationship with God are trying to impact in a negative way, the, the goal that we have, which is God's agenda. And I remember a season in my life, I might have shared this on the podcast before, but I remember a season in my life where I was doing a ministry in a local low-income housing project. And we had done it for quite some time, over a year, in fact. And everything had been... Um, really effective. We saw entire families having their lives changed and we were doing outreach ministry. So we were doing like homework help and we would hand out backpacks and food boxes and um, homework help, just all the things that, that the kids needed. And it was at the end of our second year that there was this man who moved into this uh, one neighborhood. And there's no other way to put it other than the fact that he was evil. He just 
he he was against what we were doing not just there was a lot of people in that neighborhood that might not have been christians they might not have been religious they might not have been in a hundred percent agreement with um maybe our theology or something like that but they saw our hearts for the kids because we weren't showing up empty-handed and just pretending that that just telling them about jesus was okay but we were actually showing them jesus and what that meant to care for that neighborhood so when i show up with a, a bag full of groceries that speaks love to people in a way that's different than just using our words. And so the people in the neighborhood were really thankful for us to be there. And over time, we saw a softening. It was one of the more dangerous neighborhoods in our community. And so we saw this softening start to happen with some of our roughest people softening because we were consistent, because we were loving them with the hope of the gospel. And so this individual moved in and he was very unhappy about the message that we were we were sharing and and instead of um just closing his window or or walking away or staying away he decided to start making some problems for us and so as a result we there was an attempt to get us to shut down and um i was really heartbroken over it because we had been in this neighborhood for over a year and the kids and the families had come to depend on us and and shutting that program down um, besides the spiritual implications, there were real world physical implications. Kids weren't going to get backpacks with school supplies. Kids weren't going to get shoes. There was a lot of kids that had no shoes for school and we partnered with an organization to get them shoes. There was a, there was an impact that was against this, this work that we were doing because of this, this person, this evil person. And I remember being in this place that David was at where I would go in the morning and I would tell God, I remember being on my knees actually in tears about this. Tell God, I, I, this is what's on my heart. I know that this is what you've called me to do, but yet we're getting this opposition. I'm going to lay this before you. And, and what's it say in verse three? Lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. God, I'm going to lay this before you and I'm going to wait to see what you do. And in the meantime, what ended up happening, and um, I, I love this part because you know, we hear in scripture what the enemy intended for evil, you, God, will use for good. That's exactly what happened. Um, as a result of fighting it, we end up working with Alliance Defending Freedom, and uh, we won back the right to go into this local housing community. And despite his objections, we were granted federal permission to be there. And then that story got picked up on a couple different radio stations, Family Life Network, different uh, magazines wrote about it. And so what started to happen is we had all of these churches and organizations across the country contacting us and saying, hey, I want to do something like this, but I was afraid that I would get kicked out or I didn't know what our rights were. Can you help me? And so what we did is we started partnering with other churches and organizations eventually across the globe to help them start their own similar programs. I ended up running curriculum for it. And um, it just got to be this beautiful thing that God was doing. We got some pretty big partnerships out of it. And so what ended up happening was a very clear distinction where I, I could clearly see this. Okay. Um, there's enemies here. God make straight your way before me. And then it talks about how um, the, the evil, the people that are evil and that are against God's agenda their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. It's a stench that's coming out of their mouth. And yet, what do we see? We see God intervene and bring glory to himself through the way that he intervened. And so in verse 11, it takes, let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. I sing for joy now 
knowing that God, when, when you are standing firm in God's call on your life and the enemy or the enemy's agents, meaning people that are standing against God's agenda, stand in your way, we can take refuge and have joy knowing that God will stand in the gap for us. God will shield us with a protection that we cannot understand in the physical. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. But it starts, it starts in the morning. It starts pouring our hearts out to God in the morning. It starts with laying our requests before him and waiting in expectation. Let that be the prayer of our hearts today. So with those insights in mind, we're going to read it again. Psalm chapter 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make straight your way before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with destruction. Their throat is an open grave. For their tongue they speak deceit. Declare them guilty, O God. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the example that we see in David and the way that he seeks you or sought you in the morning and, and how you long for us to do that as well. Lord God, I thank you for the way that you reveal in your word um, the impact that you want to make in our lives as you partner and do this life with us. Lord God, help us not to think of you as some um, distant God far off in the sky, but Lord God, help us to understand that you are a good father. You want this intimate relationship with us. You want to walk hand in hand with us to, to use us to accomplish the things that you have set for us, that you've created us to do. God, we thank you that we can take refuge in you, that we can have joy in you, and we can rest as we have this shield of protection around us. We thank you and praise you in all things. Amen. Hey friends, before you go, I just wanted to fill you in on something. I've gotten a lot of questions recently about what's next. People have gone through the She Hears Bible study and they kind of want to have some direction as far as what to do next. Don't worry, I will be writing more studies, but in the meantime, the goal of the She Hears Bible study was to not only help you to learn how to hear Jesus through the example of the six women in the study, but really for you to have a, a set of tools to use that you can apply to other passages of scripture. So what I have available for you on the resources page of my website is a couple different tools to help you do just that. And depending on your budget, there's lots of options. The first option is just a very simple uh, ESV version book of John Bible journal. And so what that is, is on one side, you have the scripture from 
the the whole book of John. So on one side, you have the actual scripture verse by verse. And on the other side, you have places to take notes. And so that's a really easy place to continue doing the color method of study. And if you don't have the colors that we have designated in the study, those are available. I think they're just a couple bucks in the in the resources page as well. But you can continue to use that color method throughout, you know, one chapter or a, a couple verses. It's a really easy way to do that. And they're small, you can kind of tuck it into your bag. The second resource is similar, except it's all four gospels like that. And so that that one is done by Hosanna Revival and they're just beautiful. Um, I love them, just the aesthetic of them. They make me feel really special when I'm working in them. And so that's all four of the gospels. And that's a little bit more expensive because you're getting the whole set. And then the third option, and there's two different price points depending on what you're looking for, is we have journaling Bibles. And so there's the hardcover that are beautifully painted, and then also the leather bound. And what I love about those is when you open them up inside, you will see space in the margins to continue to write. Some people just have a thing about writing in their Bibles. Not me. My Bibles are all marked up. But if you have a thing about writing in your Bibles, this could be a dedicated journaling Bible where you can do the color method and not worry about getting, you know, your study Bible all messed up. And so I pray that those resources bless you. I started putting those in the shop after people started requesting them. And then I realized that I never really told you guys about them unless you private message me. So in case you're looking for what's next, what's more, this is a really good transition after you finish the She Hears Bible Study. I pray that it blesses you. Have a good week, friends. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.